in business and how they daily intersect. I'm your host, Laura Doughty. Let's get to some real talk. Happy Friday, y'all. I am so excited to share a little hometown goodness with you today. I have Miss Beth Ann Barrett on with me today, and I want to give you a quick intro to her. She is the perfect person to share some female empowerment on this free-for-all Friday. Like me, she is a native of Mayfield, Kentucky, and she currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia. She started out her path through the pageant programs. She was crowned Miss Kentucky USA as well as Mrs. Kentucky and also Mrs. Georgia and then went on to work with her daughter on an amazing 501c3 sheltering books organization which she will share more about as well as all the other philanthropic work that she does. Thank you so much for allowing me to introduce this amazing, wonderful person that I have with me today, Beth Ann. I really appreciate your time and I'm so excited to share you with everybody here. Both have, like I said in the intro, our mutual upbringing of our small town of Mayfield of 10,000 people. But what I'd love to start with right now is kind of where you are in life and then let's go back and show people kind of the steps of where you got to where you are now. Sure. Well, currently I live in Alpharetta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. And I have three grown children. My daughter Mackenzie's 27 and she's actually the founder of Sheltering Books, which I think we'll discuss probably more later. It's a charity that gives books to homeless children. And then I have a son, Alex, who is 24 and he is a graduate at the University of Georgia and is currently studying for the MCAT. He hopes to go to med school. Wow. And then my youngest son, Benjamin is 22 and he's a senior at University of Georgia and he hopes to go to law school. So he's studying for the LSAT. So it's pretty stressful when they're home. Oh, (laughs) as far as my career goes, I do medical outreach and marketing for a very large aesthetic dermatology practice here in Atlanta called Dermatology Consultants. And I absolutely love working there besides all the little perks I get of some free treatments every once in a while. I really enjoy going out and doing the outreach where I call on referring practices to make sure they have all of our information and make it easy for them to refer their patients to us. Awesome. Now, how long have you been there? I have been there a little over two years. Yeah, I thought you'd been there. Yeah. And before that, I did pretty much the same thing for ear, nose, and throat practice. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. And you've been in Atlanta for how long? I've been here now, gosh, 25 years. Yeah, I've been out here. I've been out here 20. So yeah, that's that's cool. It's crazy. Yeah. But one thing I'm kind of getting into now, and it's it's something I'm really just starting, but kind of like to share it with you is being a fashion advisor to women my age. I just turned 55 this summer. And I have a lot of people always come up and comment on what I'm wearing, my style, this, that, and the other. And I'm the queen of getting like bargain clothes. The dress I have on now is from Amazon and I love ordering things from Amazon or just wearing clothes from inexpensive places, TJ Maxx, things like that. And just accessorizing them with, you know, some of my nicer purses and shoes and all that. But it's just amazing how many women really over 40 or maybe even any age don't know how to dress for their body type. And so that's something I've been helping some people with. And it's just amazing the difference that really having that kind of a monochromatic look is very slimming for women. And a lot of women are a little scared of more fitted clothing, but 
it actually is very flattering on most women. So anyway, that's kind of something I know. I, I love, you know what? I, I really love that you said that because you may or may not know this, but mm-hmm. my degree was in design and uh, marketing and that design piece was fashion design. So mm-hmm. I left there, got into the, the whole retail industry side of things. And I can mm-hmm. remember about my mid forties that it's as if I forgot what style was. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not that I lost my identity, but I just, I, it just didn't flow as well as it, mm-hmm. it did before. And I've gotten a little better over the past couple of years, you know, and I think sometimes when you get a little more comfortable within, in your own skin, it gets a little bit easier, mm-hmm. but I love that you're doing that because it really does 100% make a difference mm-hmm. in how you feel about yourself. Right. And you don't have to spend a lot of money. No, you don't. You're we absolutely to, right. so fortunate to have stores such as like TJ Maxx or Marshalls or Amazon where especially Amazon because you can just the world is is there for you and you can order things try them on if you don't like them you can send them back and so I like I had a party to go to about a month ago it was when I had to wear pink so I ordered like four or five pink dresses from Amazon found one that was perfect that I loved and was able to just send the others back so it was that's awesome yeah easy and I think the dress was fifty dollars that's amazing I always say buy good shoes and good purses yeah. and the rest you can get away with other, other things. That's so fun. That's really exciting. I'm happy yeah, for you. So I'm enjoying helping the, the people that I've worked with so far to, um, it's a lot of women who've actually, you know, they've been at home, they've raised children, they've worn yoga pants and big t-shirts for years and yeah. now maybe they their marriage is split up or just whatever and they're ready to, to kind of go out and and look nice. So they don't really fully know how. I love helping them. That's fantastic. Okay. So a really great place to connect with her on that. And I'll, I'll repeat this a couple of times, mm-hmm. but is to find her on Instagram and I'll insert this here since we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. So you can follow her and reach out to her directly is Beth Ann underscore Barup, B-E-A-R-U-P. So find her there and you can reach out to her so she can give you all of her little trade secrets and connect mm-hmm. you on all those awesome fashion finds that she has. So I definitely want to talk about your project with Sheltering Books. Mm -hmm. And so you are the CEO of that company, correct? I am, yes. CEO of Sheltering Books Incorporated, a nonprofit that my daughter Mackenzie founded. So share the story about that. Sure. So Mackenzie was perfectly healthy up until she was 10 years old and she got a permanent injury in her left leg jumping on the bed one night she was actually watching American Idol and jumping kind of dancing around in my bed to Ruben stuttered and something just snapped in her knee like she didn't fall she didn't do anything it just snapped and so she sat down and anyway long story short it was a permanent nerve damage and she was on crutches for nine months and had to completely learn to walk again when they took the cast off of they so they misdiagnosed it, said it was broken, put a cast on it in a bent position. And then, so she had wow. to do nine months of physical therapy to be able to walk again. And I was ha- having to help her to the bathroom and this, that, and the other. So her pediatrician knew that what Mackenzie did to kind of get her mind off of her pain was read. And she'd always been a big reader. And so her pediatrician, Dr. Nancy Gallops, asked Mackenzie, you know, what she did with her books when she was finished with them. 
and told Mackenzie about a home here in Georgia called Murphy Harps, and it's a home for some of the country's most abused children. Oh, wow. And they do phenomenal work. It's a residential treatment center. It's been around, I think, since like around the Civil War. Oh. And it is just amazing. They wanted books for the kids that live there. They're children ages 12 to 18. And they had had a room they kind of wanted to dedicate as a library, but they just weren't getting quality books. And so Nancy and I went there to visit. I saw the books they had. They would have like the tea encyclopedia then maybe some Nancy Drew books or just something, you know, not, not anything that anyone <laughs> right. was really like, no one really wanted to sit down and spend some time with that tea encyclopedia. Anyway, Mackenzie started gathering up her books, asked her friends and neighbors for their books. We started going to garage sales and asking people if they had books that didn't sell, would they be interested in donating them? And eventually she ended up giving Murphy Harps 11,000 books. Oh my gosh. So they opened a true library and even hired a librarian. Yeah. So she had, we still had people wanting to give us books. So she kind of became known as the little book girl of Alpharetta. And Mm -hmm. so we'd come home sometimes and there would be books on our front porch. We wouldn't even know who had left them. We reached out to a nonprofit here in Roswell, Georgia called Children's Restoration Network. And they work with all the homeless shelters in the metro Atlanta area that house children. So they connected us with several shelters here that house mothers and children, families with children, and we started giving books to those places. And then we eventually grew. We took books to Mayfield, to the Lighthouse um, shelter there in Mayfield, some to Paducah, some up into Illinois. Anyway, as of today, we're in, I think, 46 states and five countries. What a legacy. That's amazing. So, yeah, thank you. So she turned it into a true 501c3 and, you know, can take cash donations, we take book donations, just ship books all over. So that it's really is, fun. As you know, my mother was a school teacher for 27 mm-hmm. years. And so just that gift of mm-hmm. that book and that experience of, it, especially in a space like where your daughter was and, and things like that, it just, wow, that's just amazing. And you can find that information at shelteringbooks.com. So definitely please take a moment and, you know, five, 10, whatever you can do to help them out because what a powerful cause to help those children that are left behind, not in front and center of our life every day. And can, can only imagine what they're dealing with during all of this COVID. So those books are a fantastic way to escape. Exactly. And I tell you what's really interesting with working with the homeless children is they appreciate the books. Oh yeah. I bet. And they, they will say, are are you sure these are free? And I'm like, yes, we're giving them to you. And they just really appreciate it. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Another really cool thing, or if I find it extremely interesting about the giving books to homeless children and homeless mothers is the number one most requested book that we get is the dictionary. Wow. And probably everyone listening to this podcast has thrown their dictionaries out by now because you can just Google something or, you know, look it up on the computer, anything, as you know. But the children that are living in a homeless shelter, they may just be one or two computers in the whole shelter for them to have to share with grown-ups and other children and all that. So, yeah, dictionaries are the number one most requested book for the children and then devotionals and cookbooks are the two that the mothers 
ask for the most. But we, we mainly do the children's books, but sometimes we do have books for the moms and dads yeah. as well. Neat. That is such an amazing introspective into their world. Mm -hmm. uh, again, because we take this thing in our hand for granted. Right. And I can remember, oh my God, our encyclopedias. I just thought yeah. they were amazing when I was little. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Up on the shelf. I mean, it was like going into a whole nother world. That's, you know, mm -hmm. it's funny. I just, I literally was kind of transported back to when we used to have mm -hmm. those and those beautiful color pictures and that really thin mm -hmm. paper. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, that, you know, that's definitely something that all of us can help participate. And quite honestly, no matter where you are, I mean, if you're listening in California or Florida or mm -hmm. Chicago, it doesn't, you can help out and she can definitely put you in contact, reach out to Beth Ann through her shelteringbooks.com and she can probably easily connect you with some local shelters to kind of maybe set up giving sheltering book situation in your area. That would be beautiful. Yes, definitely. Can. I wanted to give you where she is right now so you can have a grasp of her as a, the beautiful human that she is. But also I want to go back to our roots and, you know, my dad owned his own business, well, multiple businesses. And my mom was a school teacher and share about, again, we both grew up in Mayfield, Kentucky, a town of 10,000 people definitely could be considered Mayberry because it was very safe and a beautiful place to grow up. So share how your household was. Okay. So I grew up with my mom and dad and my older brother, who's six years older than me. And my father owned the Dairy Queen in our hometown. And, um, a few other restaurants here and there over the years. He had Clark's Drive-In, which was Clark is my maiden name, and Morris's Pizza House, which Morris Clark is his name, my dad's name. And then for a while, the Pizza Hut. And so we just grew up in restaurants. I started out working there when I was probably 10 or so washing dishes back in the back. And then we both were child labors. I was 11 putting yeah. MLS books together. I get it. <laughs> yes. And then I, I worked the front of the Dairy Queen kind of off and on. I, I remember that. Not, I was not the best worker. My goal was to get out of there pretty quickly, <laughs> but <laughs> it was fun. And I'm, I'm yeah. glad I've had that experience. Yeah. So I really learned from my father a great work ethic there there's most people would say that my father was probably the hardest working man in Mayfield agreed and if not in the state of Kentucky he <laughs> was definitely an owner operator of the Dairy Queen he was there every day um, and due to health problems with rheumatoid arthritis he ended up losing both his legs at oh. different times but when my mother would bring him home from the hospital he would stop one who made her stop at the Dairy Queen and he would go in and he would stay until after closing, oh you know, even word. straight from having his legs amputated. So oh he just, word. that was his passion was working. And he also had a, a passion actually for helping people. I know at his funeral, and this was something I knew, but he, a few of the teachers from the high school came to his funeral and, and pointed out the fact that he would always hire people that they would call and tell him that, you know, this person's maybe a slow learner, this, that, and the other. And my dad would have the patience to work with them and show them how to work, how to do the things that they need. And he was a strict boss, but he was also very caring. 
We should have a blizzard to test him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. That's so cute. So both of us, we were talking prior to, you were talking about how you were shy when you were growing up. And of course, you know, I had to wear glasses when I was younger and, you know, I was called names and things like that. So mm-hmm. because of your, both your parents' work ethic and ability to keep moving forward, what lessons did you learn and what things did you experience in your life that you feel like really helped you grow out of that? As you mentioned, I was actually very shy, just very self-conscious. I had so much hair. I'm sure you might remember that. I I know some people, when I connect with them on Facebook, they're like, oh my gosh, you're the girl with all the hair. But I did have very long- She just had thick hair. You just had thick, beautiful hair. It was big and wavy and frizzy and (laughs) anyhow, (laughs) we digress. Yeah, I didn't have very much self-confidence. I guess that would be the best way to say it. Not comfortable speaking in front of a crowd. Would always get nervous if I had to read in class, um, which would just make it even worse. But then you yeah. start stuttering as you're doing it because you're yeah. nervous. And I was a majorette. So I took baton lessons from a lady over in Paducah, which for those of you listening is about 25 miles from where we grew up. The next close to kind of almost a big city, a city, city. not even big, but anyhow, I would go there once a week for baton lessons, and the lady that was my baton teacher, Deborah Hooks, um, was actually very involved in pageants. Deborah was my baton teacher, but she was also very involved in pageants, and she did a lot of, like, coaching for girls in pageants. She had been a Mrs. Kentucky, back when that had a talent competition, which thank goodness it didn't any longer. She was amazing and talked me into trying a pageant. And so she showed me how to walk and this, that, and the other. My mom and I went shopping and got my evening gown and swimsuit. My very first pageant was the Miss Purchase District Fair pageant. And my father's Dairy Queen sponsored me, which is something he had done for years. He always would sponsor one of his employees in the pageant. I competed in that pageant and it was oddly enough on my 16th birthday and I got third runner up and I was amazing. I didn't know that. I was so excited. Yes. It was held at Mayfield middle school on the stage there and went to Clemmy Jordan shop and got my evening gown. (laughs) Is that funny? (laughs) So I had so much fun in that. And then somehow I think Deborah probably told us about another pageant coming up in like a month in Marshall County. And that was Miss Kentucky Lake Vacation Land. What a name. Awesome. I know. It's a full name. <laughs> and so it was only swimsuit. Oh, wow. It, but it That's had to be intimidating. A oh, well, Even thank a, goodness, in high school. Back in, day, back in the day, it was a one-piece swimsuit. Okay. Thank goodness. So I entered that. And I'll tell you a funny little story. Deborah knows this story. We had heard that there was going to be someone in it who had maybe had some improvements. Some enhancements. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so my, my mother and I were crazy. We stopped at like Big K on the way there and bought awesome. pillow stuffing. <laughs> and we stuffed my swimsuit top yes. so bad. And they put some black fabric over the stuffing so it wouldn't show. I love and it. the whole time, you know, I was like standing up really straight so no one could see that down in there. And anyway, I ended up winning. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Yes. And Susan Ferris, another friend of ours, was in the pageant. I think she, she, I think she was second runner up because the girl that had had the enhancements done was first runner up. But anyway, I think I give that credit to Kmart or Big K and their (laughs) (laughs) And your mother's brilliance. Yes. 
And so after that, I was pretty much hooked. And so I started doing more pageants around Western Kentucky. And then eventually I competed in both the Miss America system and the Miss USA system. I made it to the Miss Kentucky America pageant a couple of times and was in the Miss Kentucky USA pageant three years. I won on my third try. Oh, wow. And yeah, that's that's, that's awesome. Yeah, third time's charm, they say. (laughs) So then I I got to go on to the Miss USA pageant. That was just a wonderful, wonderful experience, but not about any of that glory or any of that, if you consider it glory to win those pageants. But what it did for that little shy girl with no self-confidence is it made me very confident. I, you know, would be out emceeing pageants and meeting, uh, that was the year I was in Kentucky was like, I think the 75th anniversary of the Girl Scouts. Oh, neat. And so I had a whole lot of appearances throughout the state with different Girl Scout events. And sometimes there would be other, like there would be celebrities. I remember one time with Mickey Gilly at one of them, and which was just kind of funny because I had a Gillies t-shirt back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so just got a lot of confidence. I now can stand up in front of a group of people and talk about pretty much anything. Right. I can come up with random stories. My old boss used to say I could talk to a wall because I <laughs> could just talk, to, I would start talking to anyone about anything. Yeah. I really credit my experience with pageants with giving me that confidence and just that ability to talk to anyone. Right. So, well, you just to interject here really quick. What's kind of funny, ironic. I was challenged by our mutual friend, Miss Susan Ferris mm-hmm. uh, to bring back the Miss Purchase District pageant. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be the director. I'll, 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 I'll help coordinate the event. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do all of that. And, and you can be the director. She's like, no, 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 my daughter, she's got to be in it. And I, you know, I can't have any affiliation with it. And, you know, I want this as a legacy for her. And I'm like, well, you know what? It felt really weird for me having never been in a pageant before and never been on that stage. But I do know that having grown up with my dad doing events for youth my whole life and being on stage and having to be in similar, not the same, but similar situation that if I would not have had that experience of having to get up on stage and do plays and dramas and Mm -hmm. stand next to him like a little goofball, you know, in front of thousands of people that I would not have the confidence that I do today. And so for that reason, because of our small community there, felt this weird nudge on my heart to see what I could do to, you know, kind of bring that back. And to hear you talk about from the stuffing to being hooked. And mm-hmm. and if, if people don't, people could really be judgy about that if they wanted to, and you can waste your time and energy on that stuff. Right. But the truth is, as women, especially girls today, with the social media, the amount of scrutiny that they have to endure, all of the apps of t- face tuning themselves yeah, sure. and, and all of those things, the practical, tangible, hands-on experience of having to show up, to discipline yourself, to make sure that you're physically prepared, you're mentally prepared, you're spiritually prepared to be on at a moment's notice for a question that you're not necessarily prepared for mm-hmm. about government, about social aspects, about human aspects, and 
be able to speak eloquently about it. Mm-hmm. That is a skill that you have to craft. And it, as your life is a witness of, is a ripple effect that continues to grow and grow and grow. So while on the one hand, I can see uh, from a me to you know, women empowerment mm-hmm. position that maybe pageants have, I don't want to say had to take a back seat. I think it's very important that we continue to try and find a space. Uh, I, I still feel like they have a absolute importance. Maybe you don't call them beauty pageants because again, mm-hmm. we can all get PC about it. But for me, for our community, there's so many people that you and I both know that have gone on to do amazing things. And it Mm -hmm. all started from taking that shy, not able to speak very well person because you're not alone. And that's the piece that I think if we don't encourage these girls to use this platform to whittle away at those insecurities that it's a loss for all of us as women as a whole. So that's my little speech. Yes, (laughs) I I totally agree with that. And I tell you what, the experience of answering a question on stage in front of people or worldwide television, if you're in Miss USA pageant, like you did, that is the most intimidating thing. I would, I would, I would just, it's, Yeah, it's just terrifying because you do not know what they're going to ask. Right. But once you get to doing it and all, you just learn to stop and think for a second, what did they just ask? And then answer it. Yeah. And it's a great skill to have. I'm not saying I'm I'm good at it even to this day. Someone asked me a question. You're good. You're very good. But also in like the one-on-one interviews with the judges, that is just amazing preparation mm-hmm. for job interviews, right. college interviews, med school interviews. It's just an experience that, you know, you cannot get enough practice at. No one can be too good of an interviewer. Again, builds your confidence. The more you do it and the more you succeed at it, it just makes you feel confident and prepared when you go into an interview. And that's something else that you know, being prepared when you are in a pageant, in those interviews, you do prepare, not practicing what you're going to say, because you don't know what the questions are. That's the worst thing you can do is start practicing what you're going to say. But you prepare knowing what things that are going on in the world, both politically, socially, pop culture, just knowing what is going on so that you can talk about it. And it's just a very important thing for anyone to have throughout the rest of their lives. So it's, you know, great preparation for just being able to talk to people. And also when you do have a job interview, you know ahead of time that you need to prepare for it. You need to research that company, know all about that company so that when you go in there, you're more knowledgeable than the next person. Well, even for you in the social scene of Atlanta that you're in, I have no doubt that with the philanthropic work that you do, that being in those situations that you are 100% mm-hmm. confident in your ability to carry on a conversation with anybody. And that, that is a massive value, skill, gift that very few people have. Very few people have. And in my career too, I call on doctor's offices. I right. go into 10 of them a day and you know every doctor you talk to has a different personality. And yeah. so it just really helps me having some confidence to go in there and speak to them just really makes what I do more easy for me. 
So that kind of brings us back to why we've come together as well. You, you were so kind to help support me and I relaunch and, you know, Katie Moody Cusick, mm -hmm. she was also very inspirational and such a support for me in being, she allowed me to be a preliminary to the Miss Kentucky United States when she was the director, which gave us a little more credibility being like, who is this person who's never done a pageant before and all of that stuff. But, you know, I think it's worth noting into why you feel like it's important for us to help encourage the girls because Western Kentucky had a very strong presence while we were growing up in the pageant world. And it's not because we're just pretty, y'all. It's, <laughs> it's also because we're smart and we've, we've got the goods. So we need to share that. Yes, it's true. There were four Miss Kentucky USAs from Mayfield. And no, wait, okay. just four from Mayfield. Does everybody hear that? A little town of 10,000 people. I mean, that's a big deal. So, and I was the last one in 1987. So it is definitely time for someone else from Mayfield to win Miss Kentucky USA. So I really would love to get, you know, the girls in our hometown involved in entering the pageant. In other counties nearby there, that little tip of Western Kentucky where mm -hmm. we're from is called the Purchase District. Thus the title of the Miss Purchase District Fair Queen back in my day and now the Miss right. Purchase District. And just so you know, we have, because of COVID, we've moved the pageant to Saturday, January 9th. It will be in Mayfield. I would love for people to reach out, listen into this and share this and invite them in. If you need sponsors, like Beth Ann was talking about how her dad sponsored, go to your small town, mm -hmm. local communities and have them sponsor you. We pour into our local communities and ask that local business to, to sponsor you. It's just one more way for you to work on a skill and a craft that will serve you for the rest of your life. You're selling yourself you're asking for fundraising. There's so many skills there that you'll learn from mm -hmm. participating in this pageant. And if you want information, you can just go to purchasedistrictpageant.org or .com, either one. All of the information is there. But Beth Ann is going to be our fabulous, exciting MC. She does such an amazing job. And I have my girls coming back to crown the new winners. And I did open it up from preteen all the way up to Mrs. So we've got five divisions. If you are interested in participating, we would love to have you. And anybody can reach out to any of the girls that were in it before. I'm still very much in support of them as a director. I will do anything for you. I'm helping one of them write a book. I'm helping another one start a nonprofit. So this isn't just a one and done show up to the thing. I am here as your mentor, coach, whatever you need um, to help you build a lifelong career. What I want everybody to know is that I reached out to Mike and said, hey, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm friends with her. Long and short, he gave me her contact information. I text her and yes, not what, when, what, yes. That was all she did was yes. It wasn't a question. It was a hundred percent. She was there and that is rare to find. And you just, you're just an amazing, beautiful person from your sheltering yeah. books to just how you give back to your community and your kids. And, and even now with your fashion, how you want to 
help support other women when, when we're going through these stages of our lives from forties mm-hmm. to 50 and on, and there's those little tweaks that we can make. And guess what? All of those tweaks that you've learned started from the lessons through your pageant world. That's, That's the true. truth. Mm-hmm. There's so many gifts. I mean, from the makeup artistry to, it sounds so silly. And a lot of people think like the whole pageant stuff is shallow and on some level, because I was on the outside and now I'm on the inside, I get it. But these are, it's just a really beautiful community. And mm-hmm. yeah, is there some ugly stuff that can go on? Uh, absolutely. But that's those people that do those types of things uh, that's on them. And it's not a part of Beth Ann's world. She'll show you how to stuff your bra if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, kind of talking about the, the ugly things, that is one thing I never experienced in pageantry there it in does Western not me that you didn't experience yeah. it. And I'll tell you why I want everybody to hear this loud and clear. It's because mm-hmm. that is how bright her light is. When your light is that bright, it's next to impossible for that kind of yuck to enter into your space. That is a spiritual, energetic, actual fact. So you can get all woo-woo with me. You can do whatever. But that is, she has, and I'm sure part of that sense about yourself came from being shy and that you never want to go back to that space of being shy now that Mm -hmm. you're here. And I'm the same way. Growing up and competing in pageants through like my high school years, the last two years of high school and into college, I could compete with someone that day and then they'd spend the night with me that night and, or we would go and do things together. So many of us have remained friends this many years later, like Susan, our mutual friend. I remember, um, so she won Miss Kentucky USA's probably five years or so after I did. And I went with her to Atlanta to the apparel mart with Deborah Hooks, who at that time had opened up a a pageant store. And we went down there to get Susan's wardrobe. And I swear to you, we had some of the most fun. We still (laughs) laugh about little things that we said and did that weekend, the three of us sharing a hotel room and just such great memories. No, that's beautiful. And a fantastic lesson to leave with everybody that you just were determined to enjoy the ride and be a positive light that you Mm -hmm. are. Thank you. I'm super grateful for your time. And is there anything else that you would like to leave with everybody? If there is anyone who is questioning how to dress to flatter themselves, what colors to wear, hairstyles, makeup, how to get attractive clothing for your body type on a budget, um, please follow me on Instagram, Ann underscore Barra. And I'll be happy. You can message me and I'll be happy to work with you and show you some things that I think would be best for you. I love it. Thank you so, so much, Beth Ann. You're such a gift and a joy. And just, again, I just reached out and she said, sure, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank really you, Laura. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Experiment Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Dowdy underscore L-E for live. Excellent. Go make a difference, y'all. The world needs you.